What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. We're live. We're live here talking about one of the best-reviewed films of the entire year and one of the most exciting heist films I've ever seen. It's Baby Driver. We can't wait to break the whole thing down for you guys. We'll see you in just one, two, three. Go. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. Welcome. Oh. Oh. oh, wait, what happened? Oh, my God, I watched Moana last night. I don't know what happened. I'm sorry. Uh, you went with the you welcome song. Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah. My yeah, vibe's were... killed. No, man. Can we get the real version of this with the words? <laughs> no, we cannot. We cannot. This is a family show. This is not a family show. All right, so you derailed, but you watched Moana. I did. Well, maybe... If you were on time today, you would have known. You're welcome. You're welcome. Dude, I loved that movie. Did you, did you love the other song? Roxy is obsessed Shiny. with the other song. Shiny? No. Oh, the, the one the girl sings. The girl yeah, song. Yeah, it's fin- those are the top three for sure. Yeah, top three. We're not even going to talk about Baby Driver today. Let's rank the top three Moana songs. <laughs> All right. Uh, Shiny, you're welcome. Okay. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome back to Action Movie Anatomy. We're here in the studio talking about an exciting movie, a rare movie that we get to talk about, which is original, scripted, exciting, full of action. Yeah. Um, it's an original action movie. There's just not that many that come out that are like this, that are good like this. And uh, it's really exciting for us to get to talk about one. Yeah, it's so rare that you and I, and now our good friend Marina... Hello. Hello, Marina Verano on the couch. She gets the first introduction. She is not a chauffeur today. She is no, not, not a chauffeur, just as Baby was not a chauffeur once Deborah <laughs> finally got in the car with him. Um, yeah, it's so rare that we get to cover a new like concept of an action movie. It's, yeah. it's so it's so rare, and it's it's such a treasure. And I do think that that's one of the reasons this movie was a little overhyped is because something like this hasn't been done ever or in so long. Um, when I say overhyped, I don't mean that I didn't enjoy it. I yeah, but overhyped. it was it was like in, we're going to talk about the, where it sits on the IMDb top two fifty a little later. That should be an indication of the level of hype this movie has. Yeah, right and now. it's been out for what a week almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, the buzz on this movie was out of control. Uh, I know that at South by Southwest, my friends at Nerdist did a panel for this, and John Hamm and someone else sat in. I think Edgar Wright, and uh, they got to screen it and interview them. And the the bloom on this movie has just been like very bright ever since then Mm -hmm. i've heard a lot of great things about it so when a movie that has that much hype and comes out and still does this continues to impress like this it's just difficult for it not to get a little overhyped it's hard especially when it's one that is so much in the vein of like an auteur film you know people love it when you have a writer director who's clever who's funny Mm -hmm. like this is exactly the kind of movie that just it crosses that demo of like super nerd and movie fan totally people want this movie to be good and when it is it's so satisfying for the world it's when you get the combination of like the cool guy and the nerd yeah you know you get right in the middle it's just everything you want um but we're so excited we're hopping right into this guys welcome to the show welcome to wednesday uh i'm andrew guy you can find me at andrew guy on instagram and twitter you can find the podcast at ama podcast and you can also join our facebook fan page the action movie anatomy fan page on facebook uh, if we can, maybe someone can throw that up in the chat, the link. But if not, it's easy to find on Facebook. Um, it just keeps getting it's people like added. It's like up to 200 and, the, and almost 30 people now. Yeah, the conversation is awesome. People ask a question, and you'll get 40, 50 responses. People post lists. It's like <laughs> it's It's relentless. It's amazing in, yeah. in the best possible way. Uh, where, can the, where can the people find you, Bateman? Uh, you guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter or Instagram. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. My name is Ben Bateman. Marina? <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, Marina underscore Verano, V. A-R-A-N-O. And um, as Andrew said, join the Facebook chat. I go on every day and love to talk to you guys. So Yeah. yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, if you guys are just tuning in for the first time uh, while Marina's been here, she is helping us with a number of things on the show, and yeah. uh, you will be seeing her beautiful face more and more. So, uh, yeah, thank you for not being a chauffeur today. <laughs> um, so, My pleasure. guys, let's get straight into things. There's a lot to talk about. We cover action movies on this show, and those action movies adhere to four basic rules. Rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. It's tough because he's under the uh, thumb of Kevin Spacey. Yeah, but he... But he, he really doesn't. He, he really, really doesn't. doesn't play by his own rules. He plays within the rules of other people, but he, I think he pushes the boundaries as much as he can. Yes, absolutely. Rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. Um, Actually, I want to go back to that real quick. Yeah, it's always ahead. tough when you're, not, when, you're, when you're a baby. Right. Like, you're, there's no physical intimidation that he has on anybody. That's why he can't play by his own rules. Everyone else would literally kick his ass or kill him if he did something. Right. You know what I mean? So that's, he, he wants to, but he can't. I would agree. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. It's funny because it's like the collective unconscious of the entire crew is sort of the smartest villain, even though I think Spacey is the smartest guy in the room. Right, but I actually don't think that Spacey is the villain. I think that it's like a combination. I think it's just that like crime is the villain. Right. And so it's like the combination of Fox, Spacey, and Ham. But but Baby is definitely the smartest guy in the room. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they kind of tease a little bit that it's like, Maybe Ham's the smartest guy. Like maybe mm-hmm. they kind of give you a sense of it, but I think it really is Baby because he's so great behind the wheel, and that's what this yeah. movie's about. Um, rule number three: the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. I wouldn't even go as far as to call him mercenary because he's he's like paying off a debt. He's paying off a debt, right? He's not doing this for money, really. And so, yeah, I think it it skips that one. You um, can't do it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and which is funny though because this is like an action movie. Like this is an original action movie, so you would think. You would think this would adhere more of the rules, but it doesn't. And then rule number yeah. four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. Uh, right? There's at least one. There's got to be an explosion in this movie. Marina, do you remember an explosion? So you blow like there is. you got to blow something up in here. Something's yeah, gotta... when, um, at the end, when they push him off the second oh, yeah. floor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They Perfect. Car explodes. Yeah. Thank God we Car have her. <laughs> and ham burns to death. And ham burns to death. Yes. So uh, that is where we start, guys. Uh, those rules are loose. If you've been watching for long enough, you know that mm-hmm. we don't really stick to them that closely. Coming up today on the show, we're going to get into all your favorite games. We're going to get into thesis statement, fist pump moment. We are going to rank the supporting cast. Uh, they never use the same team twice, the same crew, so we're going to rank those characters. We're going to talk about our favorite driving song. And uh, we are going to talk a lot about being an auteur director and what that means uh, mm-hmm. to be somebody who writes and directs your own films and how special and unique that is. Some of the greatest ones that we've ever talked about. So let's get straight into things and let's watch the trailer for this film. Yes. Skadoosh. Uh, actually, you know what? Before we hop into the trailer, I, oh, wanted, sure. to, I wanted to talk about some of these AMA questions because he's got a second there. And you mentioned John Hamm really quick. Yeah. I don't even know if I wrote this one down. Yeah, it's from Nick Wiedner. He says, why do you think John Hamm isn't in more action movies like this? Because he be was the next old man action star. Not only did he, well, not only was he awesome, but he yeah. looked totally awesome. Oh, he looked incredible. He was like great. And I'm like, such a fan of John Hamm. Me too. I, lo- I love him. He was great in what Public Enemies? Is that right? Uh, and then the town. No, he, he's in two of them. Is he? in I Public think that Enemies? villain role. I think just he's in fits Public him. Enemies and in the town exactly. Yep. He's amazing in the town. I don't think he's in Public Enemies, is he? It's ba- I think Bale's he's, the cop. Yeah, and, that's how he's. I feel like he's in another one of those movies where he, like a gangster movie. I'm gonna look it up. Um, but I love him and he looks good. I love the, also on the first day of filming, Jamie Foxx walked up to the monitor and all he goes, he looks at the monitor and goes, he's too damn handsome and just walks away. <laughs> Didn't say anything else. Uh, all right. Trailer's going. Let's do it. Let's talk it. The target is an armored truck, the perimeter trust. 10 a.m. sharp. 
has a sweet seat. Yeah. Questions. I got a question, Doc. Why would I believe phones over here heard a goddamn word you said? He ain't even listening. Baby. The target is an armored truck at Perimeter Trust in Dunwoody, 10 a.m. sharp. The switch car is ready, but you want me to hit the long stay parking structure and get a high vehicle that stays colder longer? I love this scene. Needs to be ready for yeah. the 8.30 start. Questions? You've been my driver for every job since we met. You're the best in the business. Oh, they show that move in the trailer? I didn't know that. The back, yeah. It's I don't remember that either. Moves. Yeah. One more job, and we're straight. Maybe I'm just thinking of Sucker Punch. There's another, because he was in Sucker Punch. The town. Oh, he's uncredited in the A-Team. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. I just remember seeing him as a cop in another movie. What is your name? Baby. Your name's Baby. B-A-B-Y, baby. B-A-B-Y, baby. In this business. Yeah, she's pretty great. She's amazing. The moment you catch feelings. What's the name of the actress the who plays John Hamm's wife? Yeah. Uh, Isa Gonzalez. You are my lucky so beautiful. She's <laughs> gorgeous. You're yeah. a waitress girlfriend. She's cute. Let's keep it that way. She was funny, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she's good. I have to drop again. Not what I want. And what do you want? To get out of here. You win. I'm in, baby. When he plays his tapes, it's yeah. one of the greatest things. Ever. It really is. <laughs> oh, baby. What is he retarded? Why, was he slow? Slow? That was great, too. Yeah. Oh, you know what he says? He freaks out. This movie was really, really, really good. Yeah. And I mean, I want to see it again. Exactly. I think this is a type of movie where you miss a lot. Definitely. The first time. And you're expecting so much. That like, you're even like glancing over it because you're already expecting the yeah. next thing that's gonna not gonna happen. Yeah, I, mean, details, I, I honestly yeah. think that if if I didn't have a, a different thesis statement, my thesis would be that the biggest injustice to this film is the overhypeness, the overexposure. Because yeah. it's like if you were to just have discovered this film, I know it, it would, would be have been like life changing. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. This will be somebody's boogie nights for them. This oh, is definitely. like somebody will feel that way. The way we feel about that movie. Um, so guys, that is the trailer for Baby Driver. Uh, let's get into the next section of the show, guys. This Damn. is thesis statement. Uh, what's up? Dan Hensley. Props. He's watched this movie three times already. Awesome, Dan Hensley. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, thesis statement, guys, if you have never watched or listened to the show, is that moment where you're like, you know what? I have a strong idea about this movie. I'm going to support this in this conversation I have. If it comes up at a, at a party, you're like, here's the thing about that. Mm-hmm. And you defend it. And you can really, really back it up with, with facts. It should be rooted in hyperbole. The greatest this, the only this. A definitive statement. Not, uh, this is my favorite role I've seen John Hammond. It should never be favorite. That doesn't work. Uh, let's get straight into things. I'm going to jump in because I've thought a lot about mine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think we, I think you got a good one today. Yeah, so based on his role as an auteur director, this is and will ever forever be considered Edgar Wright's masterpiece film. He will never outpace himself, and nothing else he's done will ever be regarded with the same level of shine as this movie. This is, for all intents and purposes, going to be Edgar Wright's peak as a director. Which is so crazy because Edgar Wright has already been like labeled with making one of the greatest comedy trilogies ever. He, it, it, like it has a name. It's called, I can't even remember what it's called. Something Cantillon or Cantillon yeah. something. I wrote it down. Uh, 
but it's a trilogy of, of uh, this is the end. Or, the uh, Three Flavors end. Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, the Cornetto trilogy of Shaun, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and In the End. And it's like, those movies are fantastic. Shaun of the Dead to this day is still one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And I, and I think of everything Edgar Wright will do, it might end up being my favorite in 20 years from now. You yeah. know what I mean? Where I come back and watch them like that's always... But this movie is a true masterpiece, whereas exactly. Shaun of the Dead is maybe the best like action comedy horror. Yeah, the, I think so. Yeah, you're kind of on on board with what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, which it's, is if you think about so think about all the directors in our at least in our lifetime. I think earlier on you could think of a lot of these other guys, but in our time, the guys who insist on writing their own stuff and directing their own stuff, and it has to feel like their movie. Mm-hmm. You've got Paul Thomas Anderson, you've got Quentin Tarantino, you've got Wes Anderson, you've got Kevin Smith. Uh, you have these guys who do four, five, six, seven, eight movies. Inevitably, what happens with those directors? Favreau still do that. He kind of like no. takes it away once he. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you, as soon as you're the guy that agrees to start taking Hollywood jobs and directing films that you didn't write, and you're like, I'm going to find a story that I want to tell. You graduate into a different. You're a different brand of filmmaker at that point. Yeah. Think about like so. I don't know. Random filmmakers talk about a lot. James Mangold or like Clint Eastwood. People who make really great movies in all different genres. Mm-hmm. They'll take a script and they direct the film, and sometimes it's great and sometimes it's not, and it's different genres and it's different actors and it's different stories. Yeah. The kind of directors we're talking about <laughs> are the guys where the same actors are in all their movies. They write every movie they do. They direct all of them. They yeah. all have a similar visual style, and you can literally see the evolution of their whatever the thing they're known for. Their craft, their style, you, or whatever you, it is, yeah. You watch it evolve and take shape through their movies to the point that that style sort of peaks. And mm-hmm. I think you can see it. With all these directors, there's distinctly one film that the world is like, that's the movie. And they never, ever were able to do something that the world was like, it was better, or it is more iconic, or it defines the director more. Sometimes it happens earlier, sometimes it's later, but I would say for each of them, it's like, with Kevin Smith, Clerks is in yeah. invariably the movie. He's it's like Paul Thomas Anderson, you gotta go Boogie Nights. It's Boogie Nights, everybody's mm-hmm. favorite movie. Like Even though There Will Be Blood wins Oscars, Boogie Nights is the movie. Yeah. Right? It's uh, for, for Quentin Tarantino, Pulp Fiction. He's never gonna not be known for Pulp yeah. Fiction. No matter how many great films he makes, Pulp Fiction is the film. And there's always an essence of that original, that one. There's mm-hmm. always an essence of that in all the rest of the work. Wes Anderson... I think is probably the only one you could make an argument that maybe... I just love Tenenbaum so much. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. To me, Tenenbaum's is, no question, right. the movie. Even though I think some people would probably say, like, Grand Budapest, but it's like, mm-hmm. that's really just because of the Oscar nominations. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know what? I, I completely agree, and and it is truly a masterpiece. This film is is a, is a masterpiece for what it does. And, and again, just because something... I guess I'm going to keep going back to this being overhyped. It kind of pulls away from it being a masterpiece, but it truly is. You go back and you watch it and you think about the acting, the crew, the ensemble cast. You know, half the questions we got on AMA question and the thesis they're saying in the chat right now is like. Yeah, the best standalone cast um, ensemble ever movie in recent years. In recent years, you know, and it's like it's so hard to do that with this star power. And it's also crazy to think a lot of these stars were kind of flickering at the time. Um, The highest billed person is John Bernthal. Yeah, like on on the billing, it goes Ansel, Bernthal, Spacey. Yeah, it's so interesting, and it's so funny. The only reason is because it's Daredevil and and Walking Dead and all that. Everyone else, it's like, who the hell is Ansel Elgort? What did you call me? Right, you know, like it's the guy from Fault in Our Stars, isn't that kid like three? You right. know, it's, yeah, it just right. doesn't make any sense. And then yeah. Spacey's like, you're always happy to see Kevin Spacey, but Kevin Spacey doesn't sell movie tickets not anymore. You yeah. know, and like Jamie's Fox, John Hamm, they're all kind of yeah. It's it is an interesting cast in the sense that they picked all people that were like. 
a lot of it's like a perceived cast of A-listers who mm-hmm. like none of them can really be an A-lister in their own movie. Sleepless is, proves Jamie Foxx. But Fox, together, yeah, yeah. together they make it's this perfect. Kind of power force, yeah. Which is why you're able to go through and look at the budget, and the budget for this movie is thirty-four million dollars. Yeah, you know, we walked out of the movie, and you're like, I bet half of it was just on licensing. Yeah. So, so the point is, guys, my thesis statement is not obviously I can't predict the future, and I I think people have different opinions, so. It could be that he, in 10 years, makes another film that is considered to be a true classic. It's just incredibly rare, and you can, you can trust. You can always trust with a director where you see a similar visual style through their whole career. They're going to peak with one film at one point. And it's not even the peak in terms of that it's the best film. It's just that it's the definitive film. This is going to be the film that defines his whole career. Yeah. I believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah, I agree. Um Yes, Richard, you need to see Boogie Nights. You, come on, man. How have you watched? How? What? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a travesty. Uh, have you seen Scott Pilgrim? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's like my favorite comic book ever, so I waited a long time to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. It's uh, missing some elements that would make it a true classic. It's like 65% good, um, but it almost does exactly what, they, what it wants. But it's visually, again, it's amazing. You can right. see the evolution of his style. Okay. Distinctly. All right, so I'm going to hop in with my thesis, and I'm really <clears throat> really happy about this thesis because it's the first time it's ever been done. It's the greatest and only successful. If it has been done before, this is the greatest and the only successful action musical ever made. Yeah. And, and the reason I say... Thank you. Thank you. The reason I say that is because there's parts of watching this that make you remember it's a movie. And that's one of our favorite things about watching movies. That's why a lot of people don't like the movies I like, because I like depressing as shit real movies. Right. But what's so beautiful about this movie and, like, moments of La La Land and and movies where, like, music is kind of tapered in... Yeah. ...is that people move to a rhythm, and they speak to a rhythm, and things happen and things ding. And, and like, you go to the laundromat, and all the dryers and washers are running, and they all have the same colors in them, and it paints this beautiful picture like you get in a musical. Yeah. You don't get that in action movies. If you were to watch, like, a a Spielberg or even a Fincher movie and you're like watching it and all of a sudden all the dryers are running with the same colors. You're like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. But you're watching this movie and you're like, perfect. It should be like that. It yeah. should feel like a musical in a laundromat. And I just, I loved it. You know, 85, 90% of the movie has, has music playing over it and everything happens. Actors speak and move in rhythm. Edgar Wright shot and had people do all these things timing to music and like even the cuts... Um, you'll see that they a lot of the cuts happen on beats. Yeah, you know, and it's just it's beautiful, and it's it's. I think we're getting to this point with the modern day musical where it's really hard to get all that in your face, shining, dancing like yeah, you know, jazz hands musicals, which is why La La Land I loved so much, and why a lot of people hate it is because you got to find that balance, and yeah. like the old lovers of musicals aren't going to like that. For me, seeing this and the music in it, it, it is truly my favorite musical ever. Yeah, I even like when um, he restarts the song. No, no, no. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. After right, it. that was like, even so... he knows that it's all supposed to be. It's, it's supposed to be like that. Absolutely. You know? And then even like the elevator bell dings. Mm-hmm. They do that a couple times. That doesn't happen in right. action movies that are tense. That happens in like lighthearted films with levity in it. So, mm-hmm. greatest and only successful action comedy or action musical ever. I've been struggling to figure out what this movie reminded me of so much. And I when we walked out of the theater, I said it, and I there was just. There's a movie, and it's going to come to me eventually, and it'll probably be like three weeks from now, and mm. I'll remember, and I'll be like, that's the, it feels like this scene in this movie. Yeah. Um, I guess to some degree, there's a little bit of like David O. Russell, like um, 
you know, I heard Huckabee's feeling. There's a zany, there's a zaniness to some of it in the way that it's done mm-hmm. that it reminds me of. I, I still don't know what it is though. But anyway, I think that's great. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I was talking to our buddy Jason who was on the Predator episode. He was saying Run Lola Run has like similar oh, things. Sure, it's yeah. From, from an editing standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I don't. I've only seen that movie once a long time ago. I don't remember it very Jason well. Jason loves that movie. Uh, Langley Neely. No, there is no singing in this movie, which is why I know it's really hard to call it a musical. But just go watch it. It's um, remarkable that it, so to to your point, we're in 2017 and we've had films with sound since like 1927, mm-hmm. and the fact that it's taken almost a hundred years for somebody to just make a movie where 90 percent of the, the movie is music, yeah. but it's not like singing. It's just we're gonna have a song behind every scene. Still categorize movie. it as action. Yeah, absolutely. Not even just that, but if you were to do it with a drama, if you were to do it with anything, the fact that no one's done it, where you have a movie with like 35 songs, is Mm -hmm. like, how did that not happen yet? How, like, how did some director... To do that, yeah. And I'm sure there's some guy sitting in his basement who was like, no, I produced actually, the film in 1994, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I know that it was it's an indie film, you can find it, and it's like... Send it to us, man. If it's that good, if you think it's worth watching, send it to us, because we'll watch it, because this was this was insane. It yeah. was mind-blowing. I think something that's really interesting about this, and, and a point to make on that, is that, okay, so take Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which, by the way, did you see that he and James Gunn... Um, so, Guardians came out, right? And and uh, Edgar Wright like saw it, and he's like, uh-oh. This is coming out. Like, what if we use the same music? I hope right. he's not using any of my Baby Driver songs. So he texted him and he's like, "Hey, just wanted to check. Are you are using you... any of these forty-five songs?" And he's like, "He's like, well, what songs are you using?" He's like, "Anything by Sweet." He's like, "No." He's like, "What about Queen?" He's like, "No." He's like, "What about this?" He's like, "I thought about it, but no." And so, like, they, there's like a text <laughs> exchange. Amazing. They're going back and forth. Um, but if you think about it, it costs a lot of money when there's a studio making a film to license a song. Yeah. Because it's not like you're an indie film and you can sort of have that. You can barter over the one song you really want. It's like, this is the songs I need because the movie is set to these songs. So I have to have the budget to get all these songs. You have to get me the songs. If I yeah. don't get them, the movie doesn't work. And if you're going to do it with 30 or 40 songs, you need a budget. It's incredible to me that they were able to make this movie for the budget they did. I can't believe it still. How do you make this movie for $34 million and have this much licensed music? I don't even understand how you cover the cast for that much. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think the cast probably all just wanted to I'm be sure in the movie. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they all took hits. Um, all right. So, uh, Marina, do you have a thesis or do you, you got any moments you want to throw in there? Is there anything you want to you do right now? It's kind of bouncing off yours, if that's allowed. Yeah. I was going to say that this is the most calm action movie that you'll see in a very long time, if that makes sense. Like, You feel safe. Right. Yeah. And I think that is uh, due to the, you know, the laundromat. Just, like, things that made the movie kind of flow. Mm -hmm. But you weren't on edge. Like, you knew a scene like that was coming where he gets pushed into the fire or a car blows up. You knew something was coming, and you knew, obviously, the driving was the main driving course in this movie. Right. But you were able to kind of, like, relax and appreciate those moments that the director so, you know, intricately placed in this film. Yeah, and I think that's totally what you're saying. That that just piggybacks off mine. It's because it has this musical feel to it. Because there are scenes... With bats in it, where you're like in the diner, yeah, and you're just like, shit, what is gonna happen? Is he you pull a gun out you, right now. Yeah, you what? are nervous, you are on edge, but you you go from these highs to the lows, right. which again makes it so brilliant. You go from like really on edge to like, oh my god, this is the most fun movie I've watched in a long yeah. time. I was smiling throughout this movie, which yeah. is a sign of like that's it's very hard to achieve where you have your smirk or a smile the whole time. Mm-hmm. It was very entertained throughout. I mean, just. There's so many things about this movie I loved. Yeah, and and the relationship between the two of them is is just beautiful, and Lily is just like, yeah, she, she's amazing. She's, she's like an angel in this film. Yeah, a hundred percent. So uh, let's get into our next thing, and this is going to make reference to the music again, which 
uh, we had a conversation about this favorite songs to drive to. Yeah. Uh, in real life, and it's funny. I was like, I chose mine, and I was I just realized as we were sitting here doing this where it came from, and it's actually from a movie in a driving scene. What movie? So my is it song, from Elizabeth Town? No, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> because that's not mine at all. Um, I do love both Cameron Crowe driving Tom Petty scenes. Yeah, uh, I, know, I know you do. Yeah, Free Fallen and Learning to Fly. Uh, the Learning to Fly is a far better song than. But that's just my opinion. Um, but um, no, it's from Beavis and Butthead Do America, and the no song way. is Gone Shooting by ACDC. And that's always been my favorite song to drive to. It feels like a driving song. Can you cue that up, Stephen? Or uh... yeah, are you able? It's yeah, Gone Shooting. And I think I think it's in that movie. I'm pretty sure. I just realized I've always loved it. It just feels when you hear it, uh-huh. it feels like you're on the highway. It's not a. It wouldn't be a car chase song. It would be a road trip song. Yeah. But it just feels like driving. I know exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. It just I, has this groove to it. Uh-huh. Do you, uh huh. Do you have a favorite driving song, Marina? Oh wait, uh. hold on, hold on. <laughs> right? Doesn't this feel like you're on the highway? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is a great driving song <laughs> for sure. Uh, all right. Well, I'm gonna hop in with mine then. Are you thinking or you got one? I love Whitney Houston. Like Which, her upbeat songs. Uh-huh. I want to dance with somebody. Okay. I love that. And maybe, I don't know why. Maybe it's just because when you're with your girls in the car. Look, I was raised by four women. That's an amazing song. It's, it's an amazing. amazing song to drive okay. to. Yeah. Then don't hate. It's you guys wonderful like it. Song. I love that song. <laughs> I was listening to it on the way here. Uh, can you pull up the Moana soundtrack? No. Um, <laughs> so my favorite song to drive to since I was 15, 16 years old. Um, I used to listen to it before every football game on the way driving to the school. It's Seven Nation Army. Oh, yeah, it's a good one. It's just, still to this day, whenever that song comes on, I hear Seven Nation Army. No matter what I'm doing, I feel like I'm just going to do the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> whatever it is, whether it's driving, Cleaning. whether I'm cooking, laundry, whatever it is, yeah. I love that song. So when you post those pictures of yourself of cooking like tacos, a Seven Nation Army is blasting in the back. You should put yeah. a video next time. Oh, I'll make one. I'll uh, make one for you guys. I was at a wedding this last weekend, and they flew in a violinist from Utah who was like this incredible, like, he, uh, he like plays a violin and he creates a loop, like a live loop, so it sounds like you're playing oh, with multiple yeah. instruments. And uh, it was all pop songs. It was all like like very popular songs, That's but like cool. incredible classical renditions. And he did a version of Seven Nation Army with a violin, like an electric violin. Oh, I bet that was where insane. He like played the bass part. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Jamel, first of all, I want to shout out to our fans again. I know we've been doing this a lot, and we're going to move on with the show. But Jamel hasn't watched an episode since episode 50 of The Rock because he moved to Mongolia, and he has not had a strong enough Wi-Fi connection since then to watch our show. And he finally got a strong enough Wi-Fi connection, and he's watching today. You're back. You're back. Welcome, Jamel. So glad to have you back. We've got Carmen Young, who posted an amazing, amazing long post about Wonder Woman and Baby Driver, and she had a great question. We've got... Just so much great fan interaction these days that I just I'm just so happy about it. And when the, who, I, I'm so sorry I'm forgetting your name right now, but we had someone find us on the Logan episode, which we did maybe two months ago now. Yeah, and he's watched every single episode since. Yeah, I've gotten a couple tweets from people who have said they found us from one place or another, and now they've watched the whole, they've listened to the entire catalog, and it's that blows my yeah. mind. You're talking about you're talking about like hundreds of hours of you and me just talking. Yeah, thank qu- God she's joining us yeah. to break up the monotony. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's like, I wouldn't listen to myself talk I, that much. No way, man. If you Please don't throw things at me at Comic-Con if you guys see me. <laughs> I, 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 the suits cost money. I don't want them ruined. And I just, I'm sorry. It's been so much. Um, so um, moving on to probably the most exciting segment today. 
Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's going to be fist pump moment. Yeah. Uh, so fist pump moment, guys, if it's your first time listening and watching, it's that moment you're watching something happens, you look around, you're like, yes, I can't watch the rest of this movie. This is so awesome. You have that smile on your face. Yeah. This, is, this is amazing. I can't believe I'm in something that I like this much. Yeah, for me, it was like, I just wish I could pause the theater and tell everyone to watch this thing yeah. real quick. And then we'll start it over again. There's that was a, me. There was a lot. There was actually one in the theater where you looked over at me and did. Yeah. And that's one that I remembered. And it's when Spacey is like chewing out the room. He's like, you do this and you do this, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I just fucking drew this whole thing while yelling at you guys. And then it shows the board and he's done the perfect. <laughs> now that's fucking impressive. That's fucking impressive. <laughs> and it's there's a lot of reasons that I loved it so much. Um, I think the biggest of which is that. The, okay, the shine on Spacey in, a weir- in the weirdest way possible prior to House of Cards had faded. Mm-hmm. And then even with Frank Underwood, it's like, I'm tired of that show, House of Cards, yeah. and I'm tired of that character. So I'm, I just like, I'm kind of annoyed by Kevin Spacey and his career at this point. But young Kevin Spacey, 10 mm-hmm. years ago, I loved Kevin Spacey. He's oh, absolutely. one of my all-time favorites. And he's such a good actor. He's such in command of the moment that in that moment when he's doing it, you're like, yeah, you're just the best. Like, you're, you are such a confident actor. The choices mm-hmm. you make in that moment, like, your delivery is, is literally perfect. It's perfect. And, and the thing, there's so many moments in this film about the casting again. And, like, I, as you all know, I don't like Jamie Foxx. I just yeah. don't like him. I don't know why. I just don't. But he's a good actor, and I hate to say that. We've now. heard some stories yeah. from pe- friends of ours that have worked with him. Oh, that's tr- yeah. I've heard some pretty rough stories. That's true. Um, but, like, everyone is so perfect, and, and they don't feel like actors. Yeah. They feel like these real people. Like, Ham and Gonzalez feel like Bonnie and Clyde. Jamie Foxx feels like this sleazy dude. And Spacey just feels like... A dude that just wants to make money. He's not a bad guy. Yeah. He's just kind of there. Yep. Um, Agreed. So I love that. That's a great fist bump. Do you have any other ones, or is that your one? Uh, that's going to be my main one. I, I definitely had some other ones. You know, I Marina introduced a segment that we've been doing. It's kind of like our awe moment, our, oh. our, our explosion of emotion. Explosion of emotion. And I think probably my other favorite fist pump would actually be categorized more as an explosion of emotion, because it definitely got my heart. So I think I'll wait on that one until we until we do that a little later. Okay. Do you have any, are there any in the in the chat that should be mentioned? Um, Richard said the warehouse shootout where gunshots were perfect, perfectly rhythmic with the music and any other movie that would have been tacky, but this one nails it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah, exactly. And that's because it's a musical. Right. Because if you're shooting and things are on rhythm and then like the dude cocks the gun back for the girl while the, it's like, this yeah. isn't a real movie. Yeah, right. You know? Totally. Totally. Or Jake said when he, uh, he puts the robot through bats in the car. Yeah, that was awesome. That's so sweet. But mine was actually, it's in the trailer, but... When they're like, he's not even listening. Take the mm. headphones out, and he just spits out all that information. Yeah. Uh, we good? Yeah, yeah. You got any questions? And you're like, yeah, baby. Like, yeah. Let's go. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love when, like when he touches stuff. Like yeah. his, you can the sound yeah. the the buzz goes away, and he can hear everything clearly and all that. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I had a couple, and one of them was so subtle, and you saw it, and I, and I don't know if you remembered or not, but. It's during the first interaction that Bats and uh, Ansel have, and I believe it's in a, in the car. It might be after the robbery. I think it's after he goes, do you make me miss that shot? Yeah. He's like, you're a good driver, but you're a terrible liar. And he gets out of the car. And Ansel just, he, he does like this, like, nose twitch. Oh, yeah. It's like the, like the most subtle nose twitch, but you know he's fuming yeah. inside. Like, he wants to murder this person. Yeah. And I remember right when that happened, I wanted to pause the movie and tell everyone to see it. Go back and, like, see that? He's going to kill him soon. Yeah. I don't know how he's going to kill him, yeah. but he's going to fucking kill him. He's going to fuck him up. You know, and then, yeah. and then, like, you know, what is it, 20 minutes later, we're sitting there, and I, le- I go, dude, the polls. Yeah. And you're like, what? And yeah. I was like, we were there. I go, hey, look at the polls. She's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And then I said it again. You're like, oh, yeah. 
and you it was like it. I was ready. I was, and that was it was before yeah. he even gets hit. It was yeah. just when I saw him you just sitting knew. there. Yeah, so those are my two for sure. Yeah, I loved watching Jamie Foxx die. It was great. He was fantastic. In this he movie. was really good. He was really good. He's probably the actor. I, I'm guessing for you, he's probably the best actor that you hate as much as you do. You probably just 100%. hate that, you hate that he's so talented. He is. You just have to admit it. Like he, the things he's great in, he's so great in. <laughs> I know. You can think of like five movies that you've watched him in. Probably and now. he's fantastic in like Collateral, Ray, this, and both the horrible bosses and Motherfucker Jones. He's really funny. Like. <laughs> yeah. I hate that I love him, and I hate that I hate him. Ali, he's really good. He's really Ali. good, in Ali. Yeah. So, honestly, I think he's the best. I think he's the best actor in this movie. I think that his character, what he brings to this movie, is the most important part because yeah. you need that villain. He's a good villain. And you need the person that you, is completely. He's unpredictable. Yeah. Whereas no one else is like that. Totally. Did you uh, have any you wanted to add? From Not you a chauffeur. From the, yeah. <laughs> Not a chauffeur. Um, <laughs> let's see. Another one that. Was it was kind of funny the little boy the nephew in the mm. post office oh yeah when he like starts helping him out like I like that because yeah. at this point we kind of know that um, baby's position on this is kind of changing he kind of wants to get out of it right. he doesn't mm-hmm. want to continue and he wasn't picking up the information of how many cameras how many guards for armed or whatever and the guy's like four, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I like that part a lot yeah Jake Shields is in agreement with you he said that his second fist bump is the nephew which I think is great um, one thing I wanted to jump in and, and, and point out because you mentioned as you were talking about the cocking each other's guns and the shootout scene uh, and you said this this isn't a real movie uh, right. in the sense that this isn't supposed to really be rooted in reality yeah. everything about it is kind of it's got a fairy tale feel to it so it brings to mind for me what I think is what keeps this movie from being perfect in my mind because this movie's pretty close. It's very close. It's like if I was going to if if 10 is unattainable and 5 is dead average, this movie is probably over 9 for me because of how because of how unique and special it you is. You know that that puts it in like the top 150 though. But not not like nine. over 9 in on the IMDb scale. Just like if okay, I see what you're saying. Like there's yeah, yeah, there's yeah. like sev- there's hundreds of movies that are over 9 mm-hmm. um, in the world, you know what I mean? They're just not considered to be classics by the IMDb top 250. Yeah. Uh, and maybe I'm putting a little high in my mind, but what I mean by it is that like this movie achieves something that I've just never seen before in such a such an incredible way, and so many parts of it. Like we'll get to the casting in a second, but the casting was perfect. But what drops it and maybe makes it less than a nine for me is that I honestly think the final ten minutes of this movie almost ruins the movie. I think it honestly does. You, they literally had an out. They had yeah. a perfect out. His they had hands a perfect on the musical fairy tale out for this film because it is a fairy tale story his hands every on the single speaker. one of his films like his popular ones hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead they all have these moments where you got to suspend disbelief and you just kind of love how it ends yeah because his hands on the speaker they've handled his relationship to his to his passed on mother beautifully in such a touching way yeah. in such like a it really it made me emotional i was just like you guys did it right there weren't any there weren't any like really drawn out heavy handed flashbacks the flashbacks were like very subtle and very quick and you understand who he is and his love for his mom and everything they just did it right so for for him to get caught and go to jail and get out five years later and look the same age and for them to just skip over what would happen if this guy this young pretty guy goes to jail and just you're supposed to just ignore it baby like we all know we've all seen oz yeah and like and she doesn't go to prison as an accessory for any time even though she she absolutely would and all of these things, and they just ignore it, and then get he gets out, and it's like, but why? Like, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's because like they got stuck in this thing of of the whole movie is kind of this like lovely fairy tale, but then they at the very very end they're like, well, we got to make it real now. 
but it's like why don't make it real she's she's because then as soon as he's out it goes back to the fairy tale where she's standing there with a car and she looks like she's straight out of the 40s and all that it's like no also like do that initially another thing that's so that's like so important to note is that okay somebody should have said guys Every movie doesn't have to be around two hours long. Like, they just don't need to be two hours. Yeah. A you great can make film a, can still be 98 minutes. You can make a hundred, yeah, an hour 40, and if you do the right hour 40, it's a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. You right. cut 10 minutes off this movie, it's a, it's a better movie on yeah. every level. It just is. And, like, it's it honestly, the stuff with Ham constantly being alive at the end was it's distracting. A little, it's a little redundant. But it didn't kill me. Yeah. It was the final 10 minutes that I was just like... You just totally took me out of this movie. Like, I just... You know what I mean? You made me second-guess myself after thinking this was a masterpiece. Yeah, and I... How do you how do you think about the end? How do you feel about the end, Marina? I agree. I One of the first things I said when I was looking up how long it is, I like to see how long before yeah. going into it. And it's an hour and 53, to be exact. And I was You like, think if it's an hour 40. Right. And so, but I'm like, all right, let's just give it a shot. I'm not going to judge the time, but that is long, especially for an action movie where that... Like, even what I said with Transformers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first 30 minutes... Right. Could have been cut out. If right. I walked into a room and yep. it was 30 minutes in, still completely understood it may be better and not more time to be confused. Right. But I agree if it was cut off 10, even 15. Yeah, you could trim a, you, like yeah. trim the fat at the end and there's I'm sure there's something with, you could have taken out one of John Hamm's coming backs. Yeah. And you've got a better film. Yeah, if this movie's and an hour 40, I think I, it's perfect. Now touching with that, I did notice that was repetitive. Yeah. I yeah. get it. I mean, keep challenging baby to kind of take him down and yeah. it, it provided more action but there needed to be one bit, less thing it was yeah. it was a bit redundant yeah that yeah. that part of it was distracting but it didn't tank anything but yeah the ending was definitely that that fell oh, off a cliff a little bit i forgot another fist pump oh spacey just blowing dudes heads off with that shotgun yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Out of the elevator? oh my god that was so sweet how about when he gets taken oh, and, then and then rolls back over. over yeah oh man. my god yeah, it was awesome uh, another uh, favorite line slash fist pump that we didn't mention and we talked about earlier i just want to say is that bernthal has just like if you don't see me again i'm dead yeah that's well, great you're dead yeah. <laughs> uh so all right guys let's get into the next part of the show we're gonna get into a little bit of star profiles and production development mm-hmm. let's talk about uh, Shailene Woodley I'm sorry Ansel Elgert <laughs> and the films that he's been in uh, his last two films before this were Allegiant Insurgent and Men, Women, and Children prior to that we have Fault in Our Stars which was kind of the big one that put him on the map yeah uh, most notably the film that made more money the opening weekend than Edge of Tomorrow Fault in Our Stars did. you didn't know that I didn't know that that's the movie that beat Edge of Tomorrow in the wow. yeah that, that took off yeah. well the girl is in uh, Bates Motel and isn't, that was really popular isn't then. that also Shailene uh, wait I'm thinking of me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shailene Woodley is Shailene also Woodley. in... Yeah, no, she is in... Yeah. Yeah, in Fault in Our Stars. Yeah. Well, Secret and the Life others. of American Teenager kind yeah. of put her on the... Mm-hmm. And The Descendants. That's the big... Yeah, The Descendants the big was dramatic the big one that her. Clooney... Um, and then Lily James, on the other hand, she's... Uh, Cinderella, that's basically... Yeah, I mean, she's she's basically a no one before this, other than that. Wait, what's, who's she in Cinderella? She's Cinderella. She's Cinderella. Oh, in the live-action Cinderella. Which I was... Looking at her face in this movie, I was like, why the... Who like I know, I know your you? face. Yeah. I was like so well. I'm positive you must have been a girlfriend or a younger sister in Friday Night Lights or something. I looked at her full career. Basically, she, the posters for Cinderella were everywhere, mm-hmm. and that movie was just everywhere. And that's why I know her. It's just because of the, I never even saw Cinderella. I knew her from Pride and Prejudice Zombies. Really? I saw it on TV like once or something, and that that I was like, oh, that's where I know your face from. Um, but yeah, so she she got she was on Downton Abbey, which was big for her. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then so the movies she did before this were called The Exception, 
And then she did Brana Theater Live, Romeo and Juliet. And I put that in there because, first of all, I love Kenneth Brana. He's one yeah. of the greatest Shakespearean actors of all time. Edgar Wright loves Kenneth Brana. Um, John Hamm quotes Romeo and Juliet right before he dies, which I think is really cool. Uh, and then she did Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. She is about to explode through the stratosphere, I feel like. Yeah, well, don't you think it's kind of crazy that she made Cinderella and that she doesn't have another major, like, like another, another huge major right. credit aside from this? Like, yeah. even this, even this, as successful as this movie is... I wouldn't call this a major credit. Like I would call this a, I would call this a, a memorable role in a movie that the right kind of audience mm-hmm. is going to see. But this is not the second lead in Transformers or something like that. For sure. But I do think she's in the position where it's like she did such a great job that people would be like, that needs to be in my yeah, movie right now. Right. You know? I think she played perfectly that Southern, you know, Southern Belle. So sweet. Baby, and... I just want to drive a no plan type. Yeah. Perfectly. Perfectly. Yeah. From the way she appeared, the way she talked, her gestures like everything. her brokenness about her too was, right. she was yeah she was wonderful um i, thought she I agree i agree so i think what i want to do with this is I, there's one line they say that spacey says a couple of times he goes he never uses the same crew twice except for baby baby's the only person he always uses ever yeah this is good luck charm so let's talk about the crew let's talk about this we have an amazing ensemble cast yeah this is um, this is like a high level all-time one i i'm excited 10 years from now when we talk about this movie looking back on these guys and his career and what our careers all happened right because I wouldn't have guessed that I would have been as satisfied with this cast in the way that I was. No. I wouldn't have guessed that, that Ham, like Ham feels like he's a few years past the big John Ham explosion. Mm-hmm. He feels like he's kind of in like, what are you oh, going to get sure. from him now? He's not, he's not quite as young anymore. He looks like he's kind of getting to be closer to 50. He looks it now. He looks great. He looks awesome. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like in Mad Men, you're like, oh, you're like the leading man, young mm-hmm. husband. And Jamie Foxx, it's like Sleepless was a good example of just like, this isn't he's not that guy anymore. Yeah. I mean 10 years ago John Hamm would have not played a coked out no. ex Wall Street guy with on the run. You yeah. Know, like he would have he would have played like uh he might have played Jamie Foxx's role. Yeah, Spacey's you know another I mean? one I said. It's like it's he's in a weird So yeah, so let's rank him. Do you want to go... Uh, I, want, I want us to just do our own collaborative... Or, I mean, our own rankings of the top four. We'll leave out Bernthal because he dies immediately. Or at least we're, he's presumed to die. So we got Jamie Foxx, Kevin Spacey, Isaac Gonzalez, and John Hamm. And I'm going to go first. Okay. With my four. Do you want me to just do all four? Yeah, yeah go, yeah. go into all four. Oh, my God. It's so crazy. But I actually think I have them in order already written down. I think Fox is the most important, then Spacey. And then I actually like Gonzalez more than Ham, even though I think Ham is more important to the story. Okay. But she's just like, she's beautiful and she's fun and she's awesome. And she's like, you need her. You need yeah. her in the movie because you have Deborah. And the, these two females are such a juxtaposition of one yeah. another. Um, and her little monologue is when he sees red, you'll see black. It's yeah, like right. kind of stupid and corny, but it's like she's talking about a I man, love, you know? I love that. Jamie I love, yeah. yeah, he, he like <laughs> burst out laughing. Yeah. yeah. So I think in my order, and I can't believe I'm going to say it, it goes Jamie Foxx, Kevin Spacey, Miss Gonzalez, and then John Hamm. Okay. And I think John Hamm's redundancy is a bit much, even though I love him in this movie. I actually think he's a little more important than you think, and I thought. It's a t- it's a tough ranking because they're really all four excellent. They're all so good. It feels and it feels like a cop out to put the woman last in this crew. And because it's like when she dies, yeah. First of all, no one wants her to die. No, you probably all kind of assume she might, yeah, because you want to see John Hamm freak out. But like when she dies, it's really sad. Yeah, totally. You're <laughs> sad for John Hamm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she she would be my fourth though. I did love her. Mm-hmm. I thought she was fantastic. Um, I hadn't seen her in anything before, and she was. Just like stunning and great she's and strong yeah. and like yeah, she's definitely somebody we're gonna see more of. Um, I would say my number three is Ham. Um, mm-hmm. He's so good, and I was so excited to see him in this role. Like he's just his, 
yeah, we were talking about the next old guy action star. He really might be that guy. Yeah. He really he deserves an awesome John Wick style action franchise to be centered around him. Him in the diner is is really great. After yeah. she's dead, yep. like he's all coked out and like yeah. just he's angry and yeah. like I want to see that guy more. He's got the you gun. Know? Yeah, I think John Hamm could be an awesome like drug addled. I, I just think I'm excited for this next phase of his career. I think yeah. he's going to have a really exciting phase. Uh, number two for me is Jamie Foxx. It is. Uh, okay. I thought Foxx was so good. I thought he was like, he was menacing and he was unpredictable and he was awesome. And like all of the things that makes Jamie Foxx, the Jamie Foxisms worked really well for the character. Yeah. You're using all the things that I don't like about him in the right way to make him just perfect. Yeah. He was like obnoxious and he was scary and overconfident just a stone cold killer and, and that moment that we keep talking about his clapping moment yeah it's perfect yeah like it's so over the top it's like such a dick move he's yeah. just so but good you needed that laugh you at needed that it moment. yeah because it was like, so corny yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 uh and, and then, he goes straight up he pulls out the gun like he's gonna go kill deborah and you're just like right you get you get mad you're like, I, like viscerally was yeah upset. you're like why man what are you doing i'm gonna kill you <laughs> yeah. yeah question about jamie yeah in this movie do you think he was killed at the right time yeah, he needed to be around that long. Uh, you You're think saying, it was too early? I think it might have been a little too early. I don't think I could have dealt with him any longer. Oh, of course. I needed him Biased to die. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it's me, but I think the fact if it was if it was Fox versus Ansel for the finale as opposed to John Hamm, then I think it would have been just too obvious, like right. Black, right. like black and white, and not even not even uh, like ethnicity black and white just like evil good yeah the fact that john ham was sort of in baby's corner he's kind of his friend mm -hmm. but he freaked like that was a more interesting dynamic okay but i will say that when he died i think it was also because i'd seen it coming and i was so excited and when he died i think i could have maybe dealt with him for after the job was over they get back and then maybe spacey or ham kills him right or i i, I would have i guess the only other thing would have been if ham killed him in front of his wife right. that was the only thing if it was after the job uh, that would have been okay, but I did I did love how he because of the setup because you want me to yeah, kill yeah yeah, yeah for sure exactly it was that was it was actually kind of a little bit of a surprise they didn't give us the payoff I, on I that. Didn't yeah yeah it was, see they it pulled coming. the rug I knew obviously there was tension clearly, right yeah. but I did not see the driving right I didn't see that coming <sighs> I loved it. what did you do baby yeah what did you do yeah so yeah. awesome the guns are sweet um, and they're like yeah. drive drive and he's just like staring yeah they're and like step on the gas and he's, he's not going freaking anywhere out. you know he's yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then spacey um just is my one i just like i said he's just he's such great. he's so in command of that role such a well cast and like and like a a character that had an arc we talked about this like yeah. a character that really didn't need to have an arc you could have gotten away with not giving him as much but the fact that we meet his son and that he's kind of evil but he's also like when he's like i was in love once you know take this like i i love that he helps them that's like it made his character so much more yeah believable. Also, like because he's the same guy that's like a crime boss, but he's like you stole my car and, and I I'm, saw something in you. It's I, like a Jeff Daniels and Looper. Almost. Yeah, yeah, right, right. It's like a, a, he's a very, very, very relatable and uh, and fun villain. Well, like you just said, he was in his corner too, yeah. which is yeah. why I think it was a better person than Fox at the end because it was more like it would have been too obvious, like you said, if it was Fox. Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty surprised that they never used the phrase. Nobody puts baby in the corner. I was like kind of shocked. Really? That it, and we never got it. I just assumed somebody was going to make the joke. Like or Jamie Fox would have said it. Something, something. right? Yeah, like, yeah. doesn't it? So you have a freaking character named baby. Like there's only one other movie that I can think of where there's a character named baby. And that's where the quotes from and right it's in the era that he would have grown up watching movies. Like it's kind of shocking. God, I just wanted burnt all in the movie more. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so let's move on to the man behind 
behind everything. The genius. Yeah, so right. yeah. yeah, we're going to jump through production development relatively quickly because we are starting to run. Ben's got to go to the ESPYs today and look for him on the carpet yeah, if you're there. Yeah, the ESPYs. should be a lot of fun. Um, so Edgar Wright uh, is a guy who came about in the mid-'90s with a film uh, called A Fistful of Fingers, which was a, like a Western comedy spoof. Mm-hmm. And it got the attention of some filmmakers. He ended up working in television for the next 10 years, basically, and worked on a bunch of shows like Mash and Peas, Asylum, Space. He met, um, he met uh, Simon Pegg working on those TV shows. Right. So then when he wanted to make Shaun of the Dead, he put him in the film, and Shaun of the Dead was very well received, obviously. That was the big crossover moment where American audiences liked what he was doing, so he vowed to make this trilogy. Um, as they refer to it, the it's three flavors. It's so crazy when you see those things right when they're happening, and you're like, oh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are going to be massive. It's like, oh, wow, Simon Pegg became massive. And it's like, oh, my God, Edgar Wright's the true... He's the one that really... Because Simon Pegg is dying a little bit. I yeah. mean, his star's fading slightly. Everyone yeah. still loves Simon Pegg. Nick Frost hasn't really done much since that trilogy. Yeah. He's definitely popped up in a bunch of movies, but Edgar Wright is now the one that everyone's going to be talking about. He's the guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, because... The story is. Did you read this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, apparently, like the, the the three flavor cornetto, which is like an ice cream treat in England, is like a great thing for a, a hangover. Yeah, and they wanted to set. Oh, sorry. Keep they going. made some onset joke during Shaun of the Dead about it, and so it ended up in the script. And then they made another joke about it in the second movie in Hot Fuzz. They're like, "Yeah, we'll call the trilogy the Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy," and that's yeah. now what it's referred to. Which is awesome that you can just do that if you want. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Hot Fuzz 2007. It's another take on an American. Uh, like an American style of, of filmmaking. Um, I read Edgar Wright's top 10 uh, heist movies this morning. Did you at least see that article? Uh, I didn't, but I, Point Break's on there, of course. Yeah, it's like number seven. Yeah. And uh, I think I told the story on here, right, about the Big Sick premiere? I don't know, why saying. not just say it again? I yeah, don't remember. I, like two weeks ago, um, Edgar Wright was there for the Big Sick, and I covered the premiere. And at the after party, um, I was waiting to get a scotch for like five minutes in line right behind him. And I knew it was him, and I hadn't talked to him on the carpet, and I've never met him before. Mm-hmm. But Point Break's my favorite movie of all time. So I oh, yeah. just so badly wanted to engage him about Point Break. Like, I, in my mind, I was just thinking, like, this is somebody who would relate to my favorite movie, and he's a film nerd, and, like, I know that there's an in, right. but I just, like, couldn't find it within myself. It felt forced. I just didn't want to do it that way. Yeah. I like, And so I didn't, and I just, you know, I... Uh, I, we ended up getting our drinks next to each other, and I just was like, hey, cheers, and that was it, and I didn't mention yeah, it. You'll, you'll have a great sit-down interview with him, a long-format one, one day soon. Yeah, he'll be a fun one to interview. But anyway, so uh, he did that film. He ended up doing uh, At World's End, which is the third film in the trilogy, definitely a flop of a movie compared mm-hmm. to the first two. Um, and then his other stuff, the major one that a lot of people know about, but if you don't, is that he was attached to Ant-Man for yeah. a really long time. He wrote the script. Um, he started developing the script in 06. He was... He was going, and what ended up happening was they basically said they wanted to rewrite the script to accommodate what the Marvel Universe was doing. And what he said was, in the joint statement released, it sounded like he wanted to make a Marvel movie, but they didn't want to make an Edgar Wright movie. So he stayed on. Hmm. Paul Rudd and uh, whoever the director was, I can't think of, uh, rewrote the script. And he was still credited as a writer and also as an executive producer but left the project, and that was that. And that's kind of what I mean when I talk about being an auteur. Yeah, it's like you refuse. If you're not, like, it's the kind of thing where, let's say you do Ant-Man, and you do it by Marvel standards, you let them rewrite the script, and you make their movie, and that movie is a huge hit, like a Wonder Woman-level hit. Maybe people remember you for that movie more than the others. Maybe that's the other movie that we will reference your career. They say, well, he was defined by these two movies. But because you don't let yourself do it, it has to be an Edgar Wright movie. That's the reason that I say what I say in my thesis. It's like... 
if you're stuck to your like it has to feel like you the characters have to their their minds have to come from your mind then ultimately you will be defined by the one film that is received the best well that's why i feel like with the star wars and the marvel films it's like these great visionary directors that are known for doing their i mean i guess auteur directors they're not going to want to touch it because you have to live in a world that is not yours you have to abide by rules that aren't yours which is where but that's where i think like I think you can, like Ryan Johnson, for instance. You know, we're going to mm-hmm. remember Ryan Johnson for Looper. Right. But if The Last Jedi is as good as people think it's going to be, but then he will get the credit of The Last Jedi, even though... Totally. But look at his career. Look at his career. It's so much shorter compared to these other guys that we, like, you celebrate. Even Edgar Wright, I mean, he has a very short career as it is, but he's still got this trilogy that people love. Yeah. What I'm saying is just that, like, I don't want to see these great people that have this... Because, like, even though Ryan Johnson's amazing, yeah. he doesn't have a style about him yet. He's still too young. He's still too new. Sure. You know, whereas, like, Edgar Wright, he's got great tracking shots in every single movie. Right. You know, is there going to be a five-minute tracking shot in Star Wars? No way. Right. No way would it be in there. Of course. It you has know? to feel like a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much Edgar Wright. The other stuff to keep note of, guys, is that he did write the script for uh, The Adventures of Tintin, directed by Steven Spielberg. He's very much oh, yeah. in that world of comic books. And also, we mentioned he wrote and directed um, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, based on the Brian Lee O'Malley comic books. Uh, huge fan, huge fan of those books. And I just, I waited to see the movie because I just couldn't stomach the world, like, knowing, like, you know, it's that thing. It's like, you feel like you were on it first. Yeah. But, yeah. like, no, like, so far beyond that. Like, I, Brian Lee O'Malley did, like, a sketch of me and Max Brockman in 2007 when we met him in a comic book convention and we loved that comic so much we were trying to write our own comic called Super Best Friends and we like I have the script still Super Best Friends I still have the script we wrote like a pilot script for our comic book and it was awesome awesome. but it's just all stupid inside jokes written by like 19 year olds that like weren't very good right of course but we thought they were hilarious you're 19 yeah like like things like calling Tiger Beat Magazine Tiger Rhythm Magazine and and we were like that's really funny (laughs) that's really funny uh all right that is hilarious but let's move on to uh critical and box office this is where that budget is insane that's where my mind's blown oh the, the one thing i did want to add just before oh, we sorry. skip over just because the producers uh nira nira park is somebody who's worked with edgar for a lot of his career she's been there basically since the success in the beginning but tim bevan and eric fellner who uh their company working title films we all know working title films mm-hmm. has been around forever they've produced everything back to Shaun of the dead and they've been on other than scott pilgrim the full trilogy as well as this film so they've definitely working title definitely took a chance to get behind this guy and they've done very well by paid him. off very well for yeah. him uh well marina why don't you cover box office and critical then since you're so blown away by it all right let's read through this <laughs> budget was 34 million opened up on june 28th just last uh Almost two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, domestic was fifty-seven million worldwide, fourteen million in total gross, seventy-one million opening weekend. It was number two at twenty million, right behind Despicable Me three at seventy-two million. So not quite right behind it. It tripled it. <laughs> yeah, but right. Yeah, it's it's right, insane. right there. It's really close. Not much yeah. of a difference. I mean, that's that's one thing we always talk about with these yeah. um, action movies that don't have like a massive following or like a, a franchise behind them. Animated movies for kids are always going to make more money. Yeah. They will always make more money. This movie was super hyped. Everyone wanted to see it. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It made a third of what Despicable Me 3 made. Isn't it crazy that 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago now, people were like, okay, so the whole uh, Pixar DreamWorks thing, that's just a guaranteed success? So you're saying that if we get a bunch of angel investors to like dump $500 million into a fund and, and hire the best people and we start a new animated company and we just make yep. this thing up. You're telling me we have like a guaranteed hit and people guaranteed. are like, 
yeah, you just have to have enough startup money to like do the do it the right way. And it was like great. And now there's like seven of these companies, and there's all these franchises, and it's like Pixar turns out isn't that special because they're all good they're all and good. they're they all make money, all make a shitload of money. What is there's Illumination? Is that what it is? There's or? Illumination. There's Pixar. There's DreamWorks. DreamWorks. There's um. There's like six. There's so many. Yeah. I can't think of the names of all of them. But yeah, it's isn't that funny that like it used to be. Oh well, Pixar's the gold standard of quality. Yeah. You know, if a Pixar movie's always going to be good, it's like if you make it animated and get really good people behind it, the world yeah. is just on the whole going to be convinced that it's good. Like yeah. even if it's just kind of mediocre. Dude, I watched Moana last night and it blew my mind. Like I was watching it and I like had a moment where I looked around this, this room. The average age of the room was thirty years old. We're all drinking and, and watching it. And we're just like, this is a brilliant film who'd you watch Moana with uh my improv team we were oh, just got rehearsal it. and got canceled um yeah it, it just blew our minds it yeah. blew our minds so it's he walked in today singing and i haven't I seen did. it yet yep. so i'm like what are you doing over there yeah right you, <laughs> i won't be if you see roxy you'll teach i've been staring at the edge of the water like she loves it. yeah my friend lisa hadn't even seen the movie it was she knew that song yeah. word for word um all well, right that so, other one was blue sky yeah, what's, what? For another company that you were naming, yeah, Blue Sky, oh, Blue Sky. yeah, yeah, yep. Industrial Dreamers, Walt Disney, Pixar. Yeah, yeah there's like six That's or seven, crazy. and they just all make they all make movies for like 150 million dollars, and they gross like 650 million They're worldwide. Hits. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. It's totally crazy. Like if I had the money, I would just start one of those studios. Ten yeah. years ago. Uh, Let's go. Yash, <laughs> Yash Rivas. I'm sorry, I'm going to mispronounce your name. If if you get a chance, go back and watch like 15 minutes ago. We talked a lot about the third act of this film and how he felt it uh, kind of fell apart. So. That's something you, that um, we did discuss. How so, do you guys feel about an 8.3 on IMDb? So that's what I'm going to get into. So critical reception on IMDb, as Marina said, is an 8.3, which makes it number 129 of 250. Um, Richard Jarvie thinks that 8.3 is too low. I think it's a little low. Um, Rotten Tomato scores, all critics give it a 96. Top critics give it a 95, and the audience gives it a 90. I'm 100% positive that 90 is because of the third act. Yeah. It's got to be. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think it's kind of surprising that the first two are as high as they are, actually, for that reason. Um, but I, but you wouldn't say it wasn't a good movie. It's a great movie. Exactly. And that's another thing we got to remember with the Rotten Tomato scores. It's not a score. It's just a yes or a no. Yeah, I would give it I would give it a, a, close to a 90. But the point is this, is, this is why when you define these things by specific metrics, yeah. it gets so difficult. It's so tough. Because it's like on a scale of 1 to 10... 8.3 is a very fair score. The fact that 8.3 on IMDb makes this the 129th greatest film of all time makes no sense. Like there should be there should be like 500 t- movies that are better than 84%. Yeah. That should they shouldn't be anywhere near the top 50. And like the top movies should have 100%, but there's like no movies that have a 10 on Rotten yeah, Tomatoes. Right. I mean on uh, IMDb. There but should it, be 50 to 100 movies that are perfect 10s, like made ever. Yeah. Like I said, I think this is a movie that you need to watch more than once. Yeah. Because you don't appreciate it because it was so overhyped. Yeah. And some people may have watched this movie truthfully and was like, mm. but the more. You they, were almost a little bit like that. I was. I was. And that's okay. Right. But after talking through it and seeing all the little details that made this action musical one mm-hmm. of the first to ever be done, I've never seen something like it. But I can see why people, why you may think 8.3 is low, why people may have rated it 90 because of the third act falling apart. But I really think it's a movie that you have to watch quite a few times, you know, just yeah. to kind of get everything to get into there. it. Yeah. yeah, I'm really curious to see, like, you know, we talked about watching Logan again, and yeah. it was just amazing. Yeah, I uh, thought I, I think I told you I thought you it was five percent five percent worse. Whereas for me, I was just like I still was completely all in. I I think it'll be really interesting. This movie will either go up or down. I think ten points in my book. 
Interesting. I don't think it'll sit in the middle. I don't think it'll stay where it's at now. I wouldn't be surprised if I like this movie more the second time. I just I feel like there's a lot we're gonna get. So for um, sure. Let's uh, let's move on to favorite line, yes. and I think favorite line. Let's dovetail it into our uh, explosion of emotion because I do think that there's probably a few that there, a, a lot of the best lines are are like in really emotional moments. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna go last then. Um, so I'm gonna say, but mine are not connected. So I'm gonna just share my two. My my emotional explosion is definitely when he is dropping off Joe. It's Joe, right? Yeah. His uh, his yeah. his like stepdad foster or father. his foster father, and he's dropping him off at the uh, retirement home, and he's recording into the recorder, and he's like. I like peanut butter. I like peanut butter. And he's like, yeah, he's like, spread to the edges, spread to the edges. And uh, I just thought that was awesome. And he's like, are you going to come back? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It was just great. It's just the scene really made me happy. And it was that it was, you know, the relationship was so great. He's and he was a true. He was a deaf person. He cast a real actor. And because he was like, I'm not going to. Well, no, he had deaf parents. Was he actually deaf? himself? I thought he was deaf. I know that he had deaf parents as well. I'm, I'm not positive. Um, so yeah, I love that. That was definitely my emotional moment. And my favorite line is a hundred percent when he's like, <laughs> baby says something like, we're a team. We get the, and he's like, stop feeding me lines from Monsters, Inc. I knew I'd heard I that before. I recognized that it's one of the favorites. He's like, I knew I heard it from my nephew. <laughs> and it was just like, I heard Died. Died yeah, laughing. You and I were like laughing for like a minute after that had happened. Yeah. Those are, those are the kind of, <laughs> those are the kind of comic beats in movies where like, that is brilliant writing because you just don't see it coming. No. You don't even you don't even realize it because they we, show you Monsters Inc. early. All, yeah, well what's so crazy is that that first time he's flipping through the channels, yeah. almost every line that's said on the TV screen is used later in the movie. And almost uh the end heist is, is is broken down almost perfectly in there as well, in the dialogue on the TV. It's crazy. I read it all, I didn't notice it, but it's like I want to go back and watch it. Interesting. And, and listen to it and hear all the words that were said and what happens in the final mm. heist. It's it's so cool. Um, Marina, what's your favorite line? Okay, so one of my first awe moments was the first flashback because it's yeah. kinda like the yelling and he's watching it and boom, mm-hmm. just blacks. That was my first awe moment. Um, and he has a tear in his eye, actually. I don't know if people might have thought it was the glare, but he actually did have tears in his eyes as he's walking over and touching the broken iPod that he had that day. Yeah. Other one, kind of bouncing off yours, when he's, not only does he say, are you going to come back? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, is everything going to be okay? And Baby's like, yeah, I told you nothing would happen to you. And he's like, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. Yeah. Like, this guy's being dropped off in a rocking chair mm-hmm. in the middle of the night at a nursing home. And all he cares about is if his foster son is going to be okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. this guy's already lost so much. He has no one, doesn't have hearing, doesn't have anything. And he was so, such a good character. It's like, where'd that money come? Like, very chill. Let him do what he needed to do. I don't want do, but dirty money. I don't yeah. want your money. Like, what are you doing? Don't hang around with that crew. You're better than that. Yeah. And it kind of was like that good angel on uh, baby's shoulder, yeah. if you yeah. will. He you was really I mean? important. Yeah, yeah, I love that moment, too, when he comes back and he's singing. It's like... He's like, what is it? Or who is it? So he's like, yeah. what? The song? He's like, no. The, the girl. girl. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. What he about when Jamie comes in on the wheelchair? No, I told you nothing would happen to him. And he's like, where's Joe? Like, yeah. yeah. We, we all were like, where's Joe? <laughs> when he came, when he I thought he was dead. in the dead. wheelchair, yeah. I was if he died, I was again. going to be very upset with the I way this movie unfolded. I didn't think they were going to kill him. Um, Something we didn't point out, and I think you guys probably know this, but the <laughs> fact that Ansel Elgert was a dancer, that he was a, he, he was a ballet mm. dancer, is evident in the way that he moves in this movie, yeah. and it's a br- fucking brilliant casting choice for what he's you're amazing. trying to do with your, what you're trying to do with the movement to the music. And he's so graceful the way that he moves this whole movie. Yeah. Um, you can even see it the way that he like moves his feet. It's yeah, like in the opening tracking yeah. shot, he has that moment of dancing. It's real subtle with his feet, and you're like, 
that's really hard to do. Yeah. Like really he was hard. Gliding yeah, he's gliding. Spin. Yeah. And uh, 28 takes that took. That was the 21st take that they put in the movie. Interesting. That tracking shot. Um, trying to see if I'm missing anything in here. Uh, the Mike Myers masks were fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts. That's so funny. All right. So my favorite line is without a doubt, I want to get on the 20 and head west yeah. in a car we can't afford with a plan we don't have. Yeah, definitely. It's Boom. just. Every time it was said, it was. It's beautiful. You were like. You're like. <laughs> there's dramatic. something so romantic about being able to get in a car and just disappear. Yeah. And I think it's because of the type of lives that you and I lead and, and now Marina as well. It's like. We don't really get to go on vacation a lot in this business. Yeah. And if we do go on vacation, we got to do pre tapes, we got to move things around. It's a pain in the ass. So the idea of just like being with the girl that you love and just getting in a car and just all we need is each other yeah. for the rest of forever. I just loved it. The first time I heard it, I got chills. So without a doubt, that is my favorite line. Yeah. I, I, when I heard it, I was like, how could that sort of not be my favorite line? Yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, it, it's. <laughs> but it then is. the Monsters Inc. line but happened. But then the Monsters Inc. line <laughs> happened and it really changed everything. Um, all right, excellent. Did you have your emotional explosion? Um, I, it honestly, I think it was it, it was that line. I think it was that when he first Both. said it, I had that moment of just yeah. like, oh, right, take me, yeah, I want to go. <laughs> uh, so let's move on to our AMA questions. We have a few here. I pulled a couple. We had Nick Weidner who said, um, "Why do you think John Hamm is in more action movies like this? Could he be the next old man action?" Oh, star? that's who said it. You guys were referencing Nick. Yeah, yeah, and we we covered that already. I think absolutely, absolutely, he should be. I think somebody should put him in that role. It's like seems seems like. We should write the movie for John Hamm. Like, yeah. What are we doing? Why did we just write that movie for John Hamm? Totally. And I want you to cover the second question briefly because it was basically your thesis, and then I'll, I'll cover Richard's question. So Carmen Young asked, could Baby Driver have been done with anyone other than Edgar Wright and still be as successful? Or is he too crucial, his style, his vision, etc., to not be part of the project? Um, I think there isn't another director alive right now who is at the right moment in his career to have done this movie. I think it does feel like this is a this could have been a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this could have been a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Could have been an Aronofsky movie, too, I think. I think Aronofsky's just so dark. <clears throat> He's just, dark, but... He wouldn't have been able to bring the lightness to it. I think the P- I PTA... You think so? Yeah. I think PTA, in his earlier career, like if this had been the movie that he had made maybe bef- like instead of There Will Be Blood, mm-hmm. or if this had been the movie that came you know, maybe... Before There Will Be Blood, but after Magnolia. Like, you know, if he hadn't made Punch Drunk Love, but he had made this instead. It would be amazing. That's where I sort of think this movie could have lived. Yeah. But otherwise, I I agree. I think that there's only one or two people that could probably have done it, and I think the best guy did it. Yeah. Um, the last question from our good friend Richard Eric Jarvis says, Since studios nowadays will try to make everything into sequels and movie universes, do you think movies like Baby Driver deserve or need sequels? And I put this in here because it was one of the first things you and I talked about when we walked out of the theater. We both said yes immediately, and then we both said no. And it was because it's an Edgar Wright movie. He owns it. He wrote it. He directed it. He's not going to write another one, I don't think. They, I, um, I just don't think they would. Like, it's such a specific... For him to leave Ant-Man because they're not going to use his story, it yeah. would it'd be like that. There's no way that guy is going to make Baby Driver 2. And if he doesn't make it, if they try to make it without him, no one would see it. It would just... If I was working for a studio and they were like, Edgar Wright doesn't want to do the second movie, but we own it, we, we're going to do a second, you know, who should we get? I would mm-hmm. just be like... Nope, that's no. a horrible idea. Like yeah. no one will see that. That will flop. It'll hinder how well this one. Yeah. Totally. It'll completely take away from it. So, uh, were there any other questions out there, Marina, for us in the chat before we finish up today? Patrick O'Malley said, "Wright has said he'd make Bad Boys Three if they asked him. Does Baby Driver make you think he could pull that off?" 
Absolutely. 100%. He's the smart version of that movie, and yeah. he would be a great person to make that movie. That's interesting, because I guess since Carnahan dropped out, I guess there's not another director attached. Yeah, our friend wrote that movie. Yeah. Um, great question. Yeah, it was a great question. The other one that I saw in here was Jarvie going off topic about the Shmodown match. You'll know very soon. Yeah, don't you worry. It's yeah. going to be we'll freaking sweet. Great care of you. Yeah. Uh, all right, so moving into the three categories that this movie fits into, we got Totally Ridiculous. Those are movies that fall off the face of absurdity. Those are movies like Face Off and Demolition Man and yep. Collateral Damage, even though we've never covered it. Independence Day <laughs> Resurgence. Yeah. Uh, then we got the uh, the other side of that is the totally legitimate movies and movies that completely hold together. They could be Oscar winners. They could be dramas. They're like action dramas. We got like The Town Gladiator. We got uh, Fugitive. The Fugitive. Uh, they're fantastic. And then the middle category is ridiculously legitimate. Those are movies that are usually held together by a strong performance, but you still kind of find yourself laughing. You kind of got to suspend disbelief a little bit. Um, where do you guys think this lies? It's super interesting. It just never loses me, so I think it's totally legit. It's just, I think it's everything that, every, every um, thing that they, like, achieve in this movie, like, that ending doesn't tank the movie for me in the sense that it, I, like, walked out and I was like, well, that was a lot worse than I thought. Right. The ending is just, like, the frogs fall out of the sky in Magnolia. That sucks. It's still like a masterpiece. Yeah. Like that's, it's that's such a great reference. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like it sucks, but like it's still a masterpiece. It's just like that's how he chose to end the movie. And uh, it it just this movie had me from had me at hello, basically. So, yeah. 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 Uh, Marina, how are you feeling? I say ridiculously legitimate. OK. You think I, the middle. I think so, because like you said, it had I found myself laughing at times. Mm-hmm. I find a lot of things funny, though. So I don't think it had me all the way but it was this you know suspense and release type thing right um but yeah i don't know it's, it's kind of a hard one I, uh, people are agreeing that this is kind of a hard one to categorize they don't know where to put it but um yeah yeah i see that and uh who is this pre-retcon beyonder we, we agree with you we think that the movie was a little overhyped a little overrated but we still think it's fantastic just like you do we got a couple people saying ridiculous legitimate legit i don't know i really don't know what to say you don't say. know how you feel i don't i think i have to say it's complete. It's totally legit because I'm in a musical world, right? That's why all the dryers are on. That's why that's all these things are happening. I totally, yeah. You know what I mean? That's why I can't figure out which one I'm supposed to go to. I just think it achieves what it wants to achieve. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I agree with that. So yeah. it looks like we're we're split up a little bit again. But I'm going to go totally ridiculous. It looks like you and I are actually in the minority. Oh, you're in totally ridiculous. All right. I mean, excuse me. Uh, ridiculously legitimate. Okay, you're in the middle. Yeah. Got and it. I think uh, two against. Oh no no. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm like getting confused here. I think that it's totally legitimate, okay. like you. Got it. It looks it, you and I are in the minority w- against Marina okay. and almost everyone else in the chat who thinks it's in the middle category. Interesting. Right, That's least, what I was trying to I say. I got my squad. It's fine. Yeah, that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah, everyone. Everyone is saying middle category. So Andrew's just been in the bathroom doing whippets since eight a.m. <laughs> I have they shut off the water in my apartment. Uh, all right. So that leaves one thing, Ben. Um, yeah, there's just one thing left, and that's going to be called <laughs> the pitch. Oh. You guys didn't think let it was me coming. In on that. Yeah. Let me know when it's coming so I can do it. You can just start doing it. Uh, so yeah, guys, you've known this is coming for a while, but we have uh, War of the Planet of the Apes, which yes. looks to be the third film in an incredible trilogy. I'm really excited for this. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, this will be what the 14th it comes out. So. Two days. So what? In Come, two days. Yeah, in two days. Yes. So we will be covering this film, and this will be the day I drive down to Comic Con. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Well, I think we'll do it in the morning, and then I'll head out right after. And uh, this, yeah, this will be all over Comic Con. I'm assuming it'll be insane. I, I saw the new extended trailer before Spider Man Homecoming yesterday. It just looks like I can't wait. It looks insane. And if you guys see Ben at Comic Con, say hi. We had a people, yeah. a, a handful of people last year that recognized us from AMA. I unfortunately will not be there this year. 
Um, but he will be there representing the both of us, or the three of us, I should say. Yeah. Say. The chauffeur. Don't forget about it. Yeah, the, not the chauffeur. <laughs> not the chauffeur. So, guys, uh, tune in uh, to next week's episode for War of the Planet of the Apes. Be sure to follow along. You can find us. Uh, I'm personally Ben Bateman Media, Twitter and Instagram. The podcast is at AMA Podcast. Uh, you can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find our Facebook fan group at Action, Action Movie Anatomy fan page. Marina Verano, uh, Marina underscore Verano, Twitter and Instagram. And yes, go on the fan page. I really like talking to you all. So yeah. any questions, anything you want to see, any opinions, please share them our way. So Marina, is uh, she is going through the catalog. She's watching the yeah. catalog of movies now. So if you guys have any movies that you think she should watch, please harass her in the polite way to watch <laughs> movies that you think are great. You be polite or you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> That was my throw. That was great. It got stuck <laughs> it in went my hand. so far. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll see you same time uh, as normal next week. Yeah, 1230. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.